0: Hello and welcome to Finding Truth Matters with Dr. Andrew Corbett. We're pleased to have you join us for tonight's program.
1: If your marriage has gone stale, husbands, buy your wife flowers, and your wife will instantly say, what's this for?
0: If you move in church circles, you'll be familiar with the concept of worship. But if you had to explain it to someone, how would you go? Some might argue that we all worship something. Does worship involve just your mind? Is it just reflected in your actions? Or does it go even deeper than that? Tonight, Dr. Corbett continues in his brief three-part series titled Made to Worship, seeks to answer those questions and more. Next up, Made to Worship with our there are people hands. People
1: who've come into this church without any Christian experience, any background at all in anything religious, and have found that they're welcomed here every Sunday, and uh, they just kept coming, and we encourage people to do that and check us out. And we're not after anyone to make a rash or an overly uh, impromptu commitment to to do what we hope everyone will do, and that is surrender to the Savior. Let's pray, Father. Thankful that we live in a world where Christ is at least acknowledged, even to some measure. Thank you. And Lord Jesus, you came and you died as our substitute to pay the price for the penalty we could never bear. And now, Lord, you offer a great exchange, your perfect rightness before God in exchange for our hopeless guilt and shame. And today, Lord, I pray that many will make that exchange. Jesus... Thank you that you came and you said it is better that I go so that I can send the Holy Spirit. And now we thank you that you have sent the Holy Spirit who is gifted, who has filled, who now leads and guides. And your word says he opens hearts and minds. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would do that. May words come out of my mouth that someone here today will know there is no way he could have known that. To your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This is a worship series and I'm going to suggest to you that we are created to worship. And it's based on an exchange Jesus had with a woman. And this woman was at a well and she was someone who was not a Jew. And Jesus tells the disciples, you go on ahead and, and I'll just wait here, in the the heat of the day. Now in that culture no one came to a well to drink water in the heat of the day because it was just hot and uncomfortable and so this woman was. This woman was coming out in the heat of the day to draw water and that tells us a lot about how this woman was being treated by her society and her, her culture. This woman... In this exchange, in John chapter 4, we discover, because Jesus, to use the expression, reads her mail. She's there and Jesus says, give me a drink. And she says, uh, you haven't got a bucket or a ladle or anything, how can I do that? And, and he, he essentially is saying, no, I'll drink out of yours. No one drank out of this woman's ladle or bucket because she was, as we'll see in a moment, she was... A woman with a reputation and she was despised. And Jesus says, I'll drink out of your bucket. And then in response to her, he says, you know what? If you knew who it was who was asking you for a drink of water, you'd ask me for a drink of water. Pretty odd because she's just pointed out to him, you have nothing. You don't have a rope, you don't have a bucket, you don't have a ladle, you have nothing. How on earth can you get water? And Jesus responds and says, I can give you living water. You drink the water that I offer and you'll never thirst again. Hmm. It's in that context that he then pretty soon says this. And there is a thirst in every human heart that we try to fill with toys. We try to fill with adrenaline exercises. We try to fill with all different kinds of things and nothing can quite do it. Nothing can do it. Jesus said this to the woman, but the hour is coming and now is here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. You see, if you want the deepest longings of your soul satisfied, you have to be a worshipper. And I'm going to tell you, you are. You are a worshipper. You are a worshipper. You already worship. The question is, are you worshipping the way you are made to worship? That's the question. And Jesus says here, the Father is seeking those to worship him. It's the highest calling of any human being, to be a worshipper. If you've ever thought of what you want put on your tombstone, I think there's a couple of things that I would be very happy, not that I'll have any say in it, very happy to have on my tombstone. Andrew Corbett, man of God, worshipper. Of God. It's the highest calling any human being can have to worship God. Worship is an act of adoration. That song, I love that song that we, for some reason, we only sing at Christmas, oh come let us adore him. Apparently Christmas owns that song now but really it's a worship song of Christ. It's a song... <laughs> That reflects what worship is. Come and let us adore him. Do you know what it's like to adore someone or something? It's to be so fixed on that person. It's, it's to behold them. It's to gaze at them. It's to be, to be just completely have them fill your vision. Worship is like that. It's an act of adoration and devotion. And that's a key word because devotion carries with it this sense of surrender. I'm devoted to... I'm surrendered to. In fact, as we'll see in a moment, God calls us to worship in a way that is reflected in how we treat others. In the old days, we used to take a couple through an aspect of the wedding vows. We used to have a couple repeat this: um, "With my body. I thee." Anyone know the next word? Worship. I thee worship." And it could sound like idolatry but it's actually bringing out that aspect of worship which means i will adore you and i will surrender to you and i will be devoted to you and i will my with my body i will do that so worship involves something and the highest form of worship only god deserves that only god deserves that so even in that ancient wedding vow that that part of the wedding vow with my body my body i worship it wasn't in the sense of of worshipping your spouse in the way that we worship God because there is, there is a surrender to God that only God deserves. And we are created for no higher purpose than to render that kind of worship to him. Worship in that sense, you can imagine being transfixed by another by committing your life to be fully devoted to that person, by surrendering to that person, you know what that would do to your heart. And and you're going to hear me make this point throughout this in a moment because there are some people who are utterly confused over feelings, how they feel. And what what you're going to hear me say is this, that, that decisions lead to actions, actions lead to feeling. And if you don't feel like you love God today then you need to make a decision today that you're going to. If you have made a decision, yes, I follow Christ, I I live for Christ, I've surrendered my life to Christ, then in Jesus' name, do something about it. Because that should lead to a whole other course of action for your life. And when you do that, when um, when you've made a decision and you act on that decision, despite how you feel, your feelings will fall in line, I promise you. If your marriage has gone stale, husbands, buy your wife flowers and your wife will instantly say, what's this for? (laughs) And your response would be, Gordon, Uh, uh, because I love you. (laughs) Because they're on sale. What? (laughs) Gordon, come on. I don't know if Wendy's at home watching by webcast, but Gordon said he would buy you flowers because he loves you. Feelings follow actions. Do something kind. Wives, if, if you've lost that passion for your husband, um, then there's ways, there's, there's ways to, to, anyway. That's Back on topic, please. True worship is therefore, it's an expression of deep love deep love and it's interesting how Jesus interplayed those two words love and worship throughout the the teaching of the kingdom. So one of the things that is really clear when when someone came to Jesus and said what's the greatest commandment and and Jesus said well how do you read the law and he said remember the lawyer said to him uh, this is a lawyer in Old Testament law said um To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul. Remember what Jesus said? He said, you've answered correctly. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul. Then Jesus adds one more aspect to it. And to love your neighbour as yourself. And I know that there are American self-help improvement gurus who say, "Uh Aha! To love your neighbor as yourself, well, I suppose we have to work on loving ourselves first. Pamper ourselves, treat ourselves nice, say nice things to ourselves, look after ourselves, then we can love others. And that is, I believe, a satanic teaching and a twisting and a distortion of the gospel, because that is not what Jesus meant at all. He said, "Love your neighbor as you love yourself." In other words, don't kid don't kid anyone else. We already love ourselves. We already do it. Now start to treat others as if their highest good actually really matters to you. So love for God has some very tangible and practical outworking on how we treat each other. If you're given to being frustrated with people, you're going to have to, and you might want to write this down, get over it. Hallelujah. To be a worshipper of God, we are to love God. And if we are to love God, it will show in what we do. It will come out in what we do. So therefore, this is the second part of the three-part series. This is worshipping God in deed. Worshipping God in deed. I want to go to one of my favourite go-to chapters in the Bible. And it's Romans chapter 12. Uh, currently our home groups are going through Romans chapter 12 verses 9 to 21, which is profound. But this is where it starts in Romans chapter 12. I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Please note that word, living sacrifice. Under the Old Testament, you present a sacrifice, it involves that sacrifice being killed. But here the New Testament calls us to follow Christ by being not a dead sacrifice, but a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So we are called to worship God as living sacrifices. What does that mean? It means that, at least it means this, that as we worship God, as we, as we want to worship God, and we should together in the assembly on a Sunday worship and adore him and sing our praises to him as it commands in the Psalms. We should do that. But it also, it also means something Monday morning. It means that when you wake up Monday morning, as I mentioned last time, it's not, oh good Lord, it's morning. It's good morning, Lord. And it's, it's not, it's not a, a, you know, narky out of the wrong side of bed treatment of the people that, that you share your house with. It's courtesy and kindness. And who finds that easy on an early Monday morning before coffee? <laughs> Our loving... Worship of God, if you think about it, being a living sacrifice means that we, we have to live out what it means to love others. We have to live out loving God by loving others and that will mean that we will be put into uncomfortable situations. Situations where it's difficult, situations where it hurts, situations where these people smell. Just put your hand up if you're sitting beside someone this morning who smells. Yes, I, I wondered... You both put your hand up. That's very interesting. This will be an interesting car ride home, won't it? It, it, it means that you'll be, you'll be serving people and working with people and trying to help people who have wacky ideas. Do we know anyone with wacky ideas? Only a few of us. Well, you, the rest of you just need to get out more. You'll find them. They're out there. There's plenty of them. This is what Jesus said in Matthew 25. It was really the last of his kingdom teaching. he he sums up Matthew 24 which I believe is him talking about handing the kingdom over from the Jews to everybody where he says in that parable of the vineyard and he concludes what then will the master of the vineyard do to those people who didn't pay their due to him and the Pharisee said he will take the vineyard off them and give it to a people who will produce fruit and it's a parable of how the new covenant will not just be for one nation one people it will be for all people and and then he follows this up in Matthew 25 where he talks about all people all nations having been gathered to him and while Matthew 24 is his coming in judgment on Jerusalem Matthew 25 talks about his coming at the end of the age his return at the end of the age to judge all people and in the meantime we read in the opening parable of Matthew 25 that the 10 Virgins, five foolish, five wise. And the five that were wise were the virgins who kept their lamps full of oil. And oil is a picture of the Holy Spirit. We today need the Holy Spirit. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and experienced that breakthrough in prayer language of tongues and voice gifts and things like that, I just want to put salt in your mouth today. And get you hungering and thirsting for it, because in that period, in that parable, Jesus says it was the wise virgins who kept their oil in their lamps filled. We, knew, we, we need that as well. He goes on. Some of the last teaching he gave before he was crucified. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, which is different to the expression in Matthew 24. And all his angels with him. And they're not mentioned in Matthew 24. This is the end of the age, return of Christ. Then he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations. So this is different to Matthew 24, where it was just Jerusalem. And he will separate people from one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from goats. And he will place the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left, then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison or visit you? And the king will answer them. And these are the worshippers. These are the sheep, not the goats. These are the sheep. The king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, my brethren, you did it to me. The greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, strength. Your last drop of energy. Give it to God. How? How? The lawyer was only half right. Jesus gave the therefore, the picture was complete when he said, love your neighbour as yourself. Love God, love others. Love God by loving others. And that was the last teaching he gave before he went to the cross. True worshippers, true worshippers of God, will worship God by sacrificially serving others. Thank God for people who've gone off into foreign lands, different cultures, different foods, different customs, different practices. And they've gone to take the gospel and they've gone to share Christ with with people that have never heard of Christ. They've laid down their life. They've gone to serve others sacrificially, but they're not the only ones. There are people here in this room and you do it as well there are I reckon I'm going to take a stab here I reckon there are many school teachers who actually don't enjoy being a school teacher but they're good at it they're called to do it and they do it because they are serving Christ I reckon there are doctors in this room and we've got a few doctors here who some, there are some days I reckon you hate your job. I would, I'd hate it at the start of the day if I was a doctor. Ugh, blood, yeah. <laughs> Nurse, tend to this person. <laughs> That'd be my doctoring. So I have, I have a, I'm amazed at the compassion of doctors. But I reckon there are days when it's not fun for you. And I reckon there are some doctors here, if not all of them, who say... I'm not doing it for the money. I'm not doing it for whatever prestige anyone thinks I'm getting out of it. I'm doing this because I want to be an agent of Christ's healing. I'm doing this for Christ. I reckon there are people who are working jobs that aren't in those professions. And you get it. You get it. You get that you're worshipping Christ by serving others. I wonder if there's pastors who find pastoring difficult and yet they hang in there because they know they are serving Christ. I hope you see that when we talk about worship, we are at the start of the Christian journey. We are not aiming for this. This is where we start. Christianity starts in Romans 12.1. You've given your life to Christ, therefore, this is what you do. You lay your life down as a living sacrifice. It completely engages the heart, how you feel. You you guard your heart, it says in Proverbs. Guard your heart. It's easy for your heart to be swayed. It's easy for someone in a strained marriage to see someone else who pays them just a little bit of attention and for your heart to be swayed toward that person. Hearts are easily swayed. But when you love God with your heart, you guard your heart. You guard your heart, it says. You guard your mind. And you are sure to do. That's the action. That's the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, strength and soul. And Jesus said, you've answered well. He repeated it back and he added, and to love your neighbour as yourself. I want you to see, therefore, that worshipping God is not, if you can think of your life as a pizza, I'm trying to conjure up friendly, warm, fuzzy, sort of, ah, pizza! Is there anyone here who doesn't like pizza? Think of it as pavlova. This illustri- You don't like pavlova? What do you like? Okay, think of it as chocolate cake, this illustration. What I'm about to show you for Tracy is, is chocolate cake. For What are you into, Mick? We've got the three choices, pizza, pavlova or chocolate cake. All of them. <laughs> All right, so we've got a three-dimensional thing you're about to see here. Oh, Kim and I were watching a thing on uh, Royal Weddings last night on Netflix, which tells you the quality of the Australian television industry at the moment. And um, was it... Uh, Queen Elizabeth, or, or she was the Princess Elizabeth at the time and, and uh, Philip, who was uh, not anything I think at the time I don't even think it was, oh, he, I think he was just made Duke of Edinburgh before he was married um, they had a nine level wedding cake a nine tier wedding cake it went nine feet in the air bring it back I say, come on <laughs> anyway, three tiered thing, have a look at this so I want you to see this I, I'm digressing so that Wiki Pratney taught me that if you really want to make a hard, heavy point, just lighten the room up, lighten the room up, and then hit them! So we've been talking about the light, light stuff, and so get ready. Worship is not meant to be a piece of the chocolate cake, the pavlova, or the pizza, or all three, if you're over in this section of the building. It's meant to be the very core of who you are. And It informs, your worship of Christ informs every area of your life. Has it ever occurred to you that Jesus, when he walked the shores of Galilee, he was the smartest mathematician the world has ever seen? The Jesus that walked into Jerusalem that very first time knew more about calculus and algebra than any mathematician has ever been able to grasp. He knew more about molecular biology. He knew more about astrophysics he knew more about philosophy than, than the greatest experts. Have, there is not a field of life where Jesus does not have something to contribute. Not a field. He informs the entire area of your life. So I want you to see this picture. Let's see if you can get this. The life of the worshipper, and, and I'm putting it in circles, and at the, at the very centre of our life should be Christ. For um, Where's Pete Loft? Is Pete Loft? Hughes, sorry, he's out with the baby, right, I was going to give an illustration to Pete Loft who's a cyclist, or where's Steve Matthews, Steve, this is for you Steve, and congratulations Stephen Grace, when are you due Grace, June, congratulations, <laughs> have you announced that yet? Oh. Spoiler alert! <laughs> um, Stephen, this is a bicycle wheel for you. I saw the bike on the roof in the car park. I thought that is a serious cyclist. He drives his car around with his bike on the roof. That is pretty serious. So think of this as the hub. Think of this as the centre, the core. And out of this, the life of the worshipper is is encompassed. Everything in your life is about worship of Christ. See that? Worship of Christ, he's right in the middle. So what what aspects of our life are there? Well, if we talk worship, you, you might immediately think religious expression, going to church. And guess what? Jesus has something to say about how we do church. Is that a revelation to anyone? Jesus is actually interested in you being in church on a Sunday. It says in Matthew 10, 25, don't neglect. This is what Jesus says. Don't neglect, as my people, to come together. And I can imagine there are some people who would struggle to do that because they might be tired and somehow, somehow, somehow love the Lord your God with all your strength hasn't quite registered because even when, you, when, you, when you're tired and you want to sleep in, get out of bed, come to church. Hallelujah! And Jesus informs our work life as well. How you work is an expression of your worship. Jesus has something to say about that. How you think your education? Jesus has something to say about that. Does it matter that that you live in a world where they say he didn't create anything? He doesn't even exist, and you you're confused by that? Yeah, it actually matters. You need to understand Christ has something to say about every field, every field of education. He informs it. Um, I have more to say about that, but not now. How you use your leisure is an act of worship. You, you should enjoy life, you should. Um, you could do something sensible like play tennis, great thing to do with your time, or you could do something absolutely, absurdly stupid like Jerry and dangle upside down off a 150 metre cliff. In Portugal, was it Jerry, where were you? Oh, all, over all over the world, really? Upside down is upside down. Jerry was showing me his fists one day, like not because he'd hit anyone, because he said sometimes and you're telling me this, you've got to put your hand in the crevice in the crevice until your hand swells so you can get a grip. You're a nut. <laughs> Do you enjoy that, Jerry? Oh, oh the rock of my <laughs> salvation. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. My son has left me uh, or lent me his Triumph motorbike, so every day I go out in triumph. (laughs) (laughs) Money. Christ has something to say about how we use money. Lots of things you can do with money. And Christ has something to say about your sexuality. Marriage is his idea, marriage is an expression of who he is. Marriage is the gift wrapping on the most amazing gift called sex. And he's designed for, I mean, biologically designed, emotionally designed, psychologically designed, and spiritually designed that marriage satisfies some of the deepest longings in the human heart when a man and woman are united, which is why I think the devil is so keen to undermine it in the eyes of general culture. But Christ has something to say about this. He doesn't say it as a religious leader.
0: That's all we have time for tonight, but you can order the full length version of this presentation on CD audio or premium download by going to findingtruthmatters.org and selecting Made to Worship Part 2 from our online store. As we've heard tonight, worship is something we are made for. The things we do with our hands are indeed part of our worship. More on worship next week. Dr. Corbett is pastor of Lagana Christian Church and president of ICI Theological College Australia. We look forward to joining you again at the same time next week for another Finding Truth Matters.